everybody. Greetings, all you amazing people. Welcome to Chizuba Talks, a podcast dedicated to sharing compelling stories of hope, determination, and humanity. Thank you for joining me on this discovery of the human spirit and the joy of shared happiness. I'm Tej, your host, and with me today is the positivity-infused Binka Breton, the international face of Ira Kambi. Welcome, Binka. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you all, Tej. Wonderful. I read some amazing numbers on your website. We'll come to that in a minute. Tell us the meaning of the beautiful-sounding name, Ira Kambi. Aha! Irakambi is in the Tupi language uh, and it means the land of milk and honey, which is a wonderful name, right? Beautiful, yeah, it's an enticing name indeed. <laughs> uh, so, when, uh, what was the situation like when Irakambi started off? Uh, is there uh, some reason why it started off? Well, Irakambi is, is two things. Uh, it is a non-profit, but before it was a non-profit, before it even thought of becoming a non-profit, it was, it was destined to be a sustainable forest farm in Brazil. And the reason it started, Tej, was something that I'm sure will resonate with everybody. It's called a midlife crisis, <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise known possibly as a gap year or whatever. Uh, <laughs> And the good thing about those is that you can have as many as you like. And they're usually <laughs> huge opportunities for change. And I would categorize the COVID experience as a collective midlife crisis. Right, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, a different way of thinking about it. Yeah, true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the land of milk and honey, is it? And uh, well, so what is the milk and what is the honey there? Okay, the milk, well, it, this refers to the idea of having a sustainable forest farm, right? Um, and the two main products uh, were uh, milk and honey, right? Now that transitioned over time into more of a, um, an emphasis on, on the forest, right? and on uh, protecting the forest and restoring the forest. And we realized that you really couldn't manage uh, a farm if you couldn't get, um, uh, if you couldn't look after the environment. So after a few years of setting up a, a sustainable forest farm, we decided to take the plunge and set up a nonprofit. And Ted, we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, and this was in 2000, and if you can remember, the access to the internet wasn't nearly so good then. So we True. had to go onto internet at night, and um, at night because we got it through the telephone, right? <laughs> at night, it, the calls were cheap. So we would sit up and wait till 10 o'clock, and then we'd run to the computer, and we'd go into Google and say, hey, how do we set up a nonprofit? And that was how it started uh, 22 years ago now. Wow, that's so exciting. The, the joy of starting it from scratch, I'm sure yes. that is very fulfilling. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And when you start, Ted, you have no idea what you're going to do, because everything needs to be done, right? Yes. <laughs> And we were in uh, and are in a relatively remote rural area. The infrastructure was poor. Uh, the forest was, you know, in danger. 
And so you start off by running around like crazy, trying to solve all these problems at once, which you actually can't do. <laughs> And then over time, you kind of um, you drill down and figure out what you can do, what you can do well, what you can do now, who you can do it with, and 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 what is a wonderful thing to do, but it's not your job. That's perhaps the most difficult one. <laughs> yeah, I know, especially when you're a hands-on person, you want to do everything. You know, you yeah. want to make sure that everything is going right. So you yes. need to have the right people to work with. Yes. So how how many people are you uh, work? I mean, how many people work with you right now? What is your staff count? What is your volunteer count? Okay, the the staff count at the moment is about sixteen. So we've grown enormously, and that's really thanks to COVID, because mm-hmm. the COVID experience, you know, brought us like everybody up against a brick wall, and we had to decide if we were going to sink or swim. and we decided we were going to just put out a big dream and go for it and the big dream was to plant 1 million trees so that's our big dream so there are 16 of us staff members and we work with the local community um in planting trees and a lot of other things as well right i read about your research projects and your internships also mm-hmm. so you just tell us more about it so what is it i mean people would come to your uh, organization to do some kind of uh, research in the forest and you help yes. them out with uh, you know the the resources and uh, you know knowledge yes. teach we've always been volunteer powered because um i think if you have a dream that attracts people right So we've always for the last 20 years it started with you know our own children and their university friends and people would be excited about the idea of the rainforest and they would come and they would bring us their skills. Um th- and then you learn that actually volunteers need to be well managed and well handled <laughs> because some of yeah. them are a lot of work. Yeah. Uh but our volunteers have been wonderful and we always um we didn't make it <clears throat> easy that we will collect you by taxi from the airport which is actually 5 hours away we said this is you know if you want to come this is the deal bring your boots bring a sense of humor and let's save the world together so i think that probably weeded out the ones who weren't so keen and didn't have the boots or the sense of humor um i think you weed out sorry how do we weed them out yeah sorry we they sort of they sort of self selected um but during covid of course we, we couldn't accept any any foreign students so from an average of about say 8 uh every month eight internationals and then a varying number of brazilian students we we suddenly abruptly went down to zero and we're just beginning to you know to ramp up again what we did do during covid is explored a whole new world of volunteering that was online volunteering and that was great uh and um and and a lot of people you know who would love to come in person but you know can't for whatever reason perfectly good reasons like husbands and children or whatever or careers uh you know pitched in to help us and um we discovered you know all kinds of new friends and contacts clear across the world who brought us all kinds of skills and then we had to learn how to manage remote volunteers so that was a different skill set for us too right um but that's been that's been hugely successful so now we're sort of hybrid we are partly uh you know remote 
and increasing numbers uh, of people are coming back. But because, uh, you know, there were difficulties uh, connected with COVID of getting into the country and so on, there's still a bit of a hang, you know, a hangover that foreign students normally come during the, their summers, which is now for us. And many of them were not able to get permission or, or you know, funding from the universities to come this year. But we're sort of, we're sort of slowly building up again, which is very exciting. Yeah, wonderful. So I had a Brazilian friend who came over, I think this was before COVID, and she was talking about how uh, Brazil is, uh, you know, urbanizing so, so fast and so soon that uh, the right measures to have a sustainable development goal is not really being followed, you know, so that was three years ago. So would you say the same situation is, exists right now? Do you know, there's always this tension in every country, I think, between the idea of the environment and the economy as if they were separable, as if you <laughs> can't save the environment, you know, without tanking the economy, which is completely the wrong way to look at it. Um, but this is still very much the case. However, the good news is that Brazil is is very uh, interconnected. Lots of people on because we live in remote areas on on dirt roads, and it's sometimes physically difficult to get together. We're very accustomed to you know making friends on on Zoom calls and discussions mm -hmm. like this. Um, and there's there's a, a pretty strong civil society that is really concerned about preserving the extraordinary resources that Brazil has. So on the one hand, you know, the government will will say one thing and go in one direction, but the people sometimes will go in another direction. So all you hear terrible things about Brazil. You you don't, of course, hear the stories uh, of people you know, on the ground getting stuff done, right? So that's true. That's true. The negative news gets in first. Sure, sure. So uh, are you also into habitat loss or how many species are you impacting uh, currently? Have you have a good account or is it just a generalized way of saying that you are doing so and so and so, so many things for the forest? Got you. Our main focus for the forest is restoring and protecting it. And Tej, our focus, well, there are several focuses, but the program arose uh, in 2016 and for our reef restoration program, which is called Forests for Water. And we're in a mountain range and it's a very important watershed. And Brazil is a huge country stuffed with natural resources and people didn't really pay much attention. I was raised in Europe, which is, a, you know, in a small country where you had to look after your resources because they weren't endless, right? Um, and because this is a big watershed, people would would be very profligate in their use of water. And from about 2016, the effects of climate change started to kick in big time. And some of the local smallholder farmers discovered that their springs of water were drying up. So that's disaster, right? Um, and they knew that we'd been talking about planting trees and had been planting trees for a long time, but they thought, you know, it was a pretty crazy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they, but they couldn't think of an alternative. So we started to work with the farmers, uh, who had deforested areas on the steep mountain slopes, uh, which led to erosion and all kinds of problems and eventually the, the springs drying up. And they discovered 
and we all discovered, which we knew, that if you plant in the water catchment areas, then the rain, when it runs off the mountain, is not going to take the mountain away with it, right? So True. last week, Tej, I was with one of our neighbors called Adam, and Adam was a very typical local farmer. He has, you know, um, a, a, say, a, a 10 hectare farm, um, you know, six children, uh, you know, 15 grandchildren, and never, never quite could make ends meet. Mm -hmm. What he would do would be his, his cash crop is coffee uh, and he would just nibble away at the edge of the forest in order to expand the coffee field in order to be able to buy flip-flops so the kids um, and the grandkids could go to school, right? It's against the law, but what can you do? <laughs> um, and he was the very first person, he came to us and he said, you guys always talking about planting trees and I can't see the sense in it. But anyway, I'm at my wits end. So why don't you plant some of your silly old trees? So, so we did. And okay. his spring, which had dried up, came mm -hmm. back. Um, this was 2016. And we were with him last week and he said, you know, I've never seen the spring so good. It's absolutely phenomenal. And he said, we have a lovely little film on our YouTube site called Coffee with Adam. His name is Adam. Uh -huh. And at the end of that, he says, you know, guys, you guys were right. He said, that guy, Robin, Robin is my husband, the co-founder. That guy, Robin's got a really good head on his shoulders. The <laughs> <a> great testimony. <laughs> yeah. Lovely, lovely. So I think these success stories go on to inspire others as well. And I think everybody is in the, you know, on the same page because they know what development and what planting trees can do for their farms. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes. And what we're so, doing, Ted, is when we're not only restoring the water resources, which are huge, of course, is very important, and people are beginning to understand now here. Um, mm -hmm. But of course, we're increasing habitat, and you know, and with uh, as you plant the trees, they they anchor the soil so that you get less erosion. So there's a whole bunch of good things that happen, and improves the local economy as well. And rural societies tend to be quite conservative. Uh, you have to show them that things get better if you if you make a change and if possible bring some kind of financial benefit to them but that is happening so that the whole area is is beginning to change from the old kind of unsustainable ways of land management which which is what everybody had always done right so people are starting to you know think of in terms of organic products and reforestry and setting up forest nurseries on their little farms so that they can have their own supply of seedlings. And, you know, mm -hmm. there's a, a virtuous circle which is beginning to take place, which is very exciting. Uh, I'm sure it is exciting because this is not something that you can see overnight. It, it takes some time to, mm -hmm. you know, uh, fruitify. So yes. uh, building that trust must have been quite a journey for you. Yes, it, well, what, one of the first things we realized was that however many million trees or thousand trees we wanted to plant, we'd never have enough hands. <laughs> so we needed to enlist everybody, particularly the kids, right? Yes. So we started an education program in the local schools um, and bringing the kids out of the school into the forest and introducing them to rainforest science. And, you know, who isn't going to fall in love with a rainforest? I mean, it's such a wonderful thing, but most of them had never actually had that experience before. So now we've raised a whole generation of school kids, some of whom are now going to college, some of whom are actually working with us now, mm -hmm. um, who had their first introduction to rainforest science at Irukumbi. So that's, 
that's an absolutely crucial balance to planting trees and planting ideas, right? Absolutely. The young generation is where uh, the ideas come from and where the future holds. Uh, when you talk about uh, this collaboration with the rainforest, mm -hmm. uh, there must be some indigenous knowledge as well, right? From some ancient uh, beliefs or some kind of conservation efforts that were there previously in place. And because of uh, perhaps uh, rising populations, it has just kind of um, overruled all of that. The generations yes. might have not followed what their ancient uh, you know, right. grandparents and older elders have said. So are you incorporating indigenous knowledge with indigenous species and, uh, of course, modern technology? Uh, the, the most fun way that we've discovered to do that, Ted, is through working with native medicinal plants, right? Which have been traditionally used for generations. You know, granny used to produce teas and, and poultices yes. and so on. Yes. And um, it, it's, it's a pretty macho society here. So one of the things we wanted to do was to really help um, work with the women and get mm -hmm. them to be able to cooperate and realize, you know, the knowledge that they had and the power that they had. So uh, we, and we wanted to get them involved in sort of public policy spaces as well, which mm -hmm. are pretty exclusively male dominated. But we discovered that if we mention the word politics, everybody screams and runs. So, if we talk about, you know, what did grandmother tell you and what do you know and what do you use? Uh, yes. So we've started research. We're part of a, a Brazilian wide network that is cataloging all the medicinal plants, which are, you know, thousands of species. Right. 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 And um, and and making uh, we started doing online workshops, of course, during COVID. But now we're doing in-person workshops. So we go to the local communities, you know, say, hey, girls, this is going to be really fun, you know, we're going to have a, a, a girl's day and, and let's just trade knowledge and, you know, let's see if we can make, you know, something fun like soap or, or shampoo or something mm -hmm. uh, and by, uh, you know, changing, sort of swapping news and views, uh, they're getting more and more excited and then this, we can see this as a way of really empowering the, the local women. Uh, they love it and we love it. And we would like that to become a, an alternative income source for them as well, so that they might be able to create cooperatives and things in the future. It's been going uh, in person only in the last year or so because of COVID. But that's one of the most fun and exciting things we do. And we're learning new stuff all the time. Super. <laughs> yeah, so you do have a local community market where you are, um, you know, you put up your produce for sale do you have produce like that or is it still it, it, it's it's still a work in progress and there are organic markets in in the local towns the our actual immediate communities are too small to support a market you know but um the 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 local workers uh, uh, agricultural workers union and various other you know social movements have organized uh, a a a, a not quite organic, but on the way to being organic, uh, produce market in a town which is about 50 kilometers away and that's once a week. So that's, you know, the first opportunity for us. And at this stage, the most exciting thing is the feedback from the women who say, this, this is so interesting. Why don't we make this? Why don't we make that? I remember my grandmother said this 
And, you know, we are still at the stage where everything is kind of bubbling up and we're trying to see where it's going to go. We're not quite sure. Lovely. And looking at your enthusiasm, I'm sure this thing is uh, going to go amazing uh, heights, going to go to amazing heights. So, Binka, tell me, uh, because a lot of companies now are looking at sustainable development goals as part of their CSR or other avenues, uh, do you have any partnerships as such? Or do you have any corporates who are supporting you or partnering you? Yes, yes, we do, Tej, and we, we, that was another COVID realization that we can't spend the rest of our lives with the kind of traditional nonprofit uh, financing model, uh, you know, spending a long time writing a project proposal for $5,000 here and $10,000 there. So uh, about 18 months ago, one of our uh, corporate um, volunteer teams uh, worked with us to create a corporate brochure. So we started really thinking about what can we do towards, for example, carbon certification, right? Um, helping companies, you know, with ESG and so on. Well, we we had a one group that helped us really drill down to to how many trees we plant, how many tons of carbon this you know this uh, sequesters, how many dollars, how many years really complicated actually <laughs> calculations um, we got a, a group from oxford university business school that did a six-week job with us taking us right through the carbon market from you know a to z and um, since then we are just actually finishing a marketing consultancy with a big marketing firm and tomorrow they are going to present us with an updated uh, corporate offer that their wow. brief was to help us get from good to great and produce an irresistible offer to corporates. So I'll get back to you when I see it. Lovely. There's <laughs> Lovely. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that this is happening. And I look forward to coming and seeing you sometime, Pinka, at, in Brazil. And... Um, volunteering perhaps so then i'd love to do something like that wearing boots and working in the soil and uh, interacting with all those beautiful colorful species there perfect well you're invited Tej, and so is anybody who is listening we'd love to have you wonderful and uh, just to tell you jezuba is an online platform where we have a number of volunteers mm -hmm. who can uh, volunteer um, online and they don't need to be there physically. So mm -hmm. whatever help you need, I'm sure all you volunteers out there, please go on and look up Ira Kambi. Could you just tell us your website and Twitter handle or Facebook? Our, our website is very easy. It's irakambi.com. Easy, right? And it's in Portuguese and English. Uh, and uh, our, our uh, social media, again, always the word Irakambi. If you Google Irakambi, there's tons of stuff that will come up because I, I think nobody else has that name except us. Yes, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful name. Yes, wonderful. Pinka, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you and so, so uh, enlightening to know that people are out there doing work on the soil, on the ground and happy doing it, right? So yes. I think that is what connects you with nature in its true sense. And yeah. I think that glow of happiness that you have on your face comes from there. Thank you, Ted. <laughs> Pleasure Thank to talk you. with you. Lovely. Thank you. Looking forward to seeing you sometime. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye.
Bye, take care.